Believe it or not, finding the right safe for your needs is an art and the staff at Colorado Safe Outlet has mastered it. Their team takes pride in their no upsell mentality and allow the customer to make an informed decision while never being rushed. I would 100% recommend them to a friend because you really never think about how important having a good safe is until, you know, something bad happens. They had the best brands available like uh, Superior and Champion, and they just had really exceptional service and knowledge, which I haven't really received from big box retailers in the past. The Colorado Safe Outlet is looking for a new installer. Drab requires clean record, no felonies, clean cut, strong build, and reliable transportation. Wages start at hourly, but will quickly go to salary if you're fit for the job. Please call Drew Weaver at 303-333-7233 and check out Colorado Safe Outlet today. Welcome to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off your $50 purchase on their website and app. Use code BSN10 to save $10 off $50 for all your holiday parties and have it delivered to your door. Let's jump in to the show. Boy, what a week in Broncos country. The regular season is over. Vance Joseph fired. Lots of candidates out there. We're going to get into that a little bit with some draft-specific notes on potential candidates that are available Bowl games with how this show fell on a Tuesday. In fact, let me be the first or maybe the last to get offer you all a happy New Year's with New Year's Day being such a big bowl day. Instead of recapping the bowls that have occurred this weekend prior to the show and saving the next show for you know, recap of the games that went on today and the national championship and all that. We're going to do a big bowl analysis show next week for you. And given that we now know the Broncos will be drafting at 10th overall, we're going to focus on that, go through some options, kind of start getting you ready for what the Broncos may be looking at, at least in the first round and go from there. And segment one, We're going to mock the first nine picks. Segment two, we will talk about what all of that means for the Broncos. So stay patient through segment one because segment two will be lit. Then we'll talk about the best head coach and quarterback pairings only within the draft for the candidates that have been thrown out there and try to give you a national championship preview so it's gonna be a lit show as always thank you for being with us on a holiday like this on january 1st and without further ado we will start with that mock draft the arizona cardinals will be drafting first overall i think nick bosa barring any trades seems like a logical pick they need to add talent all over their roster really with uh you know josh rosen being a priority to be developed for the future of that franchise. I think offensive line would be a priority, but there's no top offensive lineman. Bosa seems like the consensus top 
prospect in this draft, so he makes a lot of sense given the need for the Cardinals there. Not much else to say. San Francisco 49ers draft second overall, and I think an edge rusher is a logical choice for them as well. You have Josh Allen out of Kentucky, who's just risen up boards like crazy, and a personal favorite of mine, Cleland. Pharrell, Farrell, I can never figure that out. I'm, I might get it right before the draft occurs, but I'm not making any promises. Really, I don't think you could go wrong with either of those guys. Probably Josh Allen in their 3-4 scheme, given how much beef and top picks they already have, makes the most sense. And then the New York Giants at 3 can kind of sweep up the third-best edge rusher, that the Niners don't take, and since we've gone with Allen at three, we give him Pharrell there, or I mean, at two to the Niners, they can take Pharrell at three, nice little fit, he's uh, the best power rusher really in the draft outside of Bosa as far as those edge rushers go, at four, the Oakland Raiders, boy, lots of needs here, Don't count out a quarterback, though. It seems like their car has done enough to save his job and at least kind of hinder or, you know, limit the Raiders from using their top pick on a quarterback, though I won't fully exclude it. It's still a very fluid situation at this point in early January. We'll see, I think, the best player available at this point. You know, they have the freedom of taking the best non-edge rusher, though they could use an edge rusher given how much they miss Khalil Mack. I think Quinnen Williams out of Alabama, who's absolutely soared up draft boards, is a great pick for them at number four. At number five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Best player available here would be Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle out of Houston, but that's a strength for their team. They have Vita Vea and Gerald McCoy there in the middle, two high picks who played well enough. They need to strengthen the offensive line. It seems like Jameis Winston's done enough for them not to go uh, looking after a quarterback with the top five pick. So we're going to give them the best offensive lineman. That's Jonah Williams out of Alabama. He'll be a big topic of conversation international um, championship preview, so stay tuned for that. Not clear if he is an ideal fit as a blindside protector, but he's, to me, and I think the consensus top offensive lineman in this draft, given how much their line has struggled, that should be a priority and is a decent, if not great, value pick. At number five, at six, this is where things really start to get interesting for the Broncos. The New York Giants select Dwayne Haskins in this quick mock for segment number one. Look, uh, the way the Giants have operated, it doesn't seem completely crazy. I mean, maybe it is crazy, but it does seem like there's a an above 0% chance that they ignore quarterback for another offseason and stick with Eli I think that'd be crazy and Haskins has to be the pick and is the consensus number one quarterback since Justin Herbert has decided to stay in school 
at seven. The Jaguars are the other team above the Broncos interested in a quarterback. I think they go Drew Locke in this mock. Of course, still lots of things up in the air with Kyler Murray, the reigning Heisman, and um, Oakland A's top 10 draft pick. We talked about him in depth and the decision and all the factors he'll kind of have to sift through in deciding whether or not to try professional football or just stick to baseball. So go listen to that if you haven't already. Um, but since Murray's situation is still up in the air, we went with Drew Locke here at 7 for the Jags, who sure have plenty of other needs, but it doesn't even come close to what the need is at quarterback for them. At 8, the Detroit Lions go with Ed Oliver, and the Lions are kind of sitting pretty here because they have lots of choices to strengthen their team in areas of need. They could use another cornerback. And Greedy Williams would be staring him in the face. And the way that Matt Patricia, coming from that you know New England Patriots-style defense, operates, I wouldn't exclude an inside linebacker like Devin White or Mac Wilson. But I think Oliver is just too much, too talented to pass up on. They do have Darius Slay, who's one of the least talked about best cornerbacks in the league, at least in our side of the country out west where we don't talk about the Lions all that much. They've never repaired that that gaping hole left by Ndaka Kinsu. Ed Oliver would do just wonders for their defense. And, you know, that is kind of the Patriots' way is building a defense and the roster inside out. And he would pair nicely and definitely be great value by the eighth pick. At number nine, the Buffalo Bills. Top priority for them should be to strengthen the offense around Josh Allen, who had a good enough season as a rookie considering how raw he was coming in for people to be very encouraged in Buffalo. But between the wide receivers available, I don't think there's great value at ninth overall. The fact that Jonah Williams went already, I think it's a little too rich to pull the trigger on another, on a second offensive lineman in the top 10, given the state of this class, which I like. It's got some decent depth, just lacking high-end talent. Though I wouldn't exclude someone like Yadni Kajus or Greg Little or even Cody Ford, the right tackle out of Oklahoma, who seems to be the best um, interior lineman prospect being considered. I think, though... Given their need for edge rushers on the defense, um, they go with Brian Burns. With Oliver and Quinn and Williams gone already, the interior offensive line, eh, there might not be great value at ninth overall. Sean McDermott comes from that, you know, Carolina defense where it's a lot of cover two and your corners are playing zone, so you're not really looking to spend a premium pick on a cornerback. It doesn't make sense for them to draft Greedy Williams or any of the other guys that we've talked about, even in depth just on last week's pod. If you haven't listened to that already, that came out on a Saturday. You might have missed it. Check it out. At least the first two segments are certainly still relevant. So we went with Brian Burns, closing out the top nine with four edge rushers and six defensive linemen if my count is correct, in the top nine. 
which uh, fits nicely for the strength of this class. So with that short first segment, we're going to pay the bills real quick. We're gonna ha you're going to have to stay patient with me. If you can't, just click that fast-forward button and get to the next segment where we're going to talk about all the options for the Broncos, staring them in the face with how this top nine went. I got to say, even though it's January, I feel pretty good about how this ended out playing out. And we will be right back to talk about everything Broncos. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to bsndenver.com where you can find all our great written content, especially now in the offseason. We pride ourselves on dominating the offseason, covering all the major four sports in Denver with credentialed writers, great writers, some great editors on our staff, uh, you know, great video content. We just keep pushing and pushing the envelope, whether it's my stats, my film breakdown, uh, you know, our draft content is really going to pick up here. We will be at the Senior Bowl following live and probably pumping out, you know, an absurd amount of content on a daily basis for that. If you're a football fan, if you're a Broncos fan, if you're intrigued by the draft, the coaching hire, all that kind of stuff, I urge you to subscribe to vsndenver.com. There's no better time. And frankly, if you're a regular listener to the podcast and you enjoy that kind of content, you have no idea the kind of stuff you are missing out on right now. So with that said, quick commercial break. We'll be right back to Talk Broncos. Hey, BSN listeners. We're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural and, no and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2018 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped right all right now no more spoilers no more commercials we're going to talk about the broncos pick at tense overall and all the options they have the way that that mock shaped out in the first nine is really the best case scenario for the broncos because lots of edge rushers were taken in the top nine that's exactly what you want given that denver clearly doesn't need any edge rushers you have a top five pick in Bradley Chubb, who had a phenomenal rookie year and seems to only be scratching the surface, especially if utilized a bit differently by a new coach. And, of course, Vaughn Miller, who had a phenomenal year, even though, you know, he's no spring chicken anymore. Vaughn is still elite, especially as a speed rusher. There isn't really anyone who can hold a candle to him. So all those Ed rushers go in in the top nine works out wonderfully you'd love to see more wide receivers go in the top nine broncos could use a wide receiver i don't think they target one that early given that they do like their young receiving core even though they were a bit disappointing at the end of the year i think there's lots to work with especially with a better scheme better quarterback and another year of development you know guys like uh Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick are still raw. 
Deshaun Hamilton got limited playing time, was still just getting his uh, bearings under him at that point of the season. Uh, but I think there's lots to like, and even if the Broncos did draft a wide receiver, more likely than not, it's not in the top 10. So that'd be fine if our head receiver went. Worst case scenarios would be for teams to trade up above the Broncos and go get quarterbacks, which would kind of muddle the class. And really, the worst case scenario is if Kyler Murray doesn't declare because that instantly weakens the class significantly with Justin Herbert already deciding to stay in school. So with that said, I think the best players available at this point would be Murray and Daniel Jones, the quarterback out of Duke, who we talked about in the last pod, analyzing his performance in the bowl game where he showed nicely, though I still have some concerns about his footwork, accuracy in tight windows, and feel that despite his prototypical size, he does not have anywhere close to elite arm strength. It's more than acceptable for NFL levels. I don't think it's what would make you go goo-goo-gaga for him, and take him in the top 10. But there are certainly, there's a split. That's far from a consensus. And not necessarily just on his arm strength, but there are some who enjoy Jones a good amount. And I'm not going to go too in-depth on him because we talked about him on the last show already. The beauty is the cornerbacks that are left. Greedy Williams and that trio of corners we've talked about throughout the season, DeAndre Baker out of Georgia, Byron Murphy, still around Those would be really intriguing, especially if put in the hands of experienced defensive back coaches like Brian Flores, who's the Broncos have seeked out for an interview, the the New England Patriots defensive coordinator, or Chuck Pagano, who has a background as a defensive back coach. And he, um, of course, the former Indianapolis Colts head coach, uh, would be a nice hire as well and a nice fit. So, It also depends on who the next head coach is. You still have guys like Devin White and Mac Wilson, the two inside linebackers, out of the SEC right there. They would prove to be monumental upgrades at the inside linebacker position. Think of a linebacker core that had one of those guys in the middle, Jewel and or Todd Davis, uh, with, you know, maybe Will Parks playing some dime linebacker from time to time depending on how the safety positions kind of ends up going in free agency and what the Broncos decide to do with veterans like Darian Stewart. That would upgrade the defense significantly and really help the back seven. And look, there's plenty of inside defensive linemen talent still available on the board, despite the top two guys being gone. A guy, an athletic freak like Rashawn Gary, would be a wonderful fit. You have Draymond Jones, who's just, I think, a phenomenal player out of Ohio State. Zach Allen out of Boston College. Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame. Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State. Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. Just to name a few would be really enticing. But it should be said, as far as the interior defensive linemen go, and, you know, that's another one where we got to see how the offseason plays out what happens with Derek Wolf and what have you, and, you know, who gets hired and what kind of scheme they want to utilize. So all the defensive coaches the Broncos have looked at, Flores Pagano, 
and Vic Fangio, all three, four guys. So the scheme up front shouldn't change too much. The alignment will stay the same. I think the, the strength of this class is the interior defensive line. It's so deep that you probably could wait till day two and find someone who's dropped simply because there's only so much need for interior defensive linemen in a draft, and the Broncos could get a really good value pick. So I'm going to exclude that. I think, you know, quarterback has to be the biggest priority. To me, if Kyler Murray does declare and is around at 10th overall, assuming the Jaguars don't take him at 7th as the second quarterback taken in the top 10, I would go with him. He obviously would need the right fit at coordinator. Uh, We're going to get into that in this next segment, who would fit best with him. Obviously, Murray, at his size, is a rare prospect to be taken so high. Uh, We're talking about a guy that's listed at around 5'10", 195. Uh, But, you know, with how the NFL is going, I think size concerns you less. And he's shown with an NFL-sized line that it really doesn't affect him too much. He can pass from the pocket just fine and is just a superb athlete. AJ has uh, said to him, He's faster than Lamar Jackson. I don't know about faster. He certainly is quicker and more elusive, which is saying something because Lamar is just at another level, the kind of talent we haven't seen since Michael Vick was in the NFL. So I think at this point, quarterback would be my top priority. Murray would be my top guy. I'd be very skeptical of taking Daniel Jones this high uh, just because, as I said, I don't feel he has any special traits with another year under contract for Case Keenum. I think you do have a rare luxury of sitting a quarterback for the first season, the first eight to 10 games, at least develop him and him a little bit similar to what the bills did with Josh Allen or what the Ravens were able to do with Lamar Jackson and then throwing him in the fire. So Daniel Jones's appeal is that he's pro ready. He's uh, more of a pocket passer is more familiar with some pro concepts. I don't know that that's as intriguing with a guy like Case Keenum. I also don't think he's the best value pick. I'm skeptical about his upside. I do think if the Jaguars were to pass on Drew Locke and go with Kyler Murray, let's say, then that would be a very, very intriguing scenario where at 10 you have Drew Locke staring you in the face, all the upside in the world, what do you do? I'd be enticed. I'd be enticed, and I know we'll be talking about, we talked about Drew Locke a ton in last week's pod. We'll be talking about him a bunch in next week's pod, recapping the bowl games, because uh, he showed out. Spoiler alert. He showed out. Uh, So, you know, Murray would be my top pick. After that, I think you got to go cornerback with Drew Locke being a consideration, especially if Greedy Williams is still there. I mean, what a great way to replace Aqib Tlaib with someone like Reedy Williams with that length, his speed, his ball skills, that stickiness. He could be an elite cornerback not too long from now. And, you know, I'd be okay with DeAndre Baker. I'd be okay with Byron Murphy. Their size concerns me a little bit. I think 10th overall would be just a little too rich. That's right at the borderline of where I'd start to consider them. But still, I'd be okay um, and then look, the, the, those inside linebackers, especially Devin White, who I've been just goo goo gaga over, 
I, I don't know why I've said that twice already in this show. That's ridiculous. I don't even know if I'm using that correctly. Uh, but regardless, um, Devin White is just a spectacular sideline-to-sideline side linebacker, a phenom- just a thumper with immense athleticism, instincts, uh, read and react ability, would be a great added blitzer, um, and really upgrade the scheme. I think that you know, beyond just the cornerbacks, you see how the Broncos have operated this year. They've really struggled to cover tight ends. They've really struggled to cover guys in the slot out of their base defense, especially down in the red zone. I mean, there was a stretch there where the, the Chiefs uh, between Kelsey and Sammy Watkins gave them trouble out the slot with linebackers covering down there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins got a linebacker in coverage when the Broncos played the Texans. You know, you, you can't keep having this happen. you got to upgrade inside linebacker. And I think that Wade Phillips defense, that Vance Joseph, Joe Woods defense, both guys who kind of had coached under Wade and coached similar schemes uh, that didn't necessarily work out that way this year, didn't put a premium on inside linebacker. And this franchise hasn't put a premium on inside linebacker for a while. The way the NFL is going, that short-hitting game, that short-hitting passing game, you know, really the uh, targeting wide receivers and tight ends underneath is a lot more common now because of how the rules are. And you, can, you can't really lay big hits on guys crossing the field. You need ex- instinctive linebackers who can, you know, fly around the field and also be sure tacklers and kind of be X-factors. You just can't ignore that position the way they have. To me, ranking them, I would say Kyler Murray's the first guy on my board. This would be specifically for the Broncos. On my board, which I try to do a universal big board that doesn't take into account just the Broncos' needs, it takes into account just the general value of each player and the versatility and scheme because you know at the end of the draft I gotta grade all the teams and do all that kind of thing and really try to consider what the value was for each pick, not just based on how the Broncos would have valued, but specifically for the Broncos here. I think Kyler Murray's my top guy. I think Greedy Williams, given the need at cornerback and the fact that it's a premium position, is the second guy on my board. And then Devin White would be the third best player available in this scenario i also think wide receiver wouldn't be out of consideration especially a speedster like marquise brown but that'd be way down the road i mean that's not even i'd take one of the top inside defensive linemen at that point i'd probably take one of the other two top cornerbacks at that point i would consider offensive line which you know the second best offensive lineman will be available i love yodney kajust out of west virginia he's still raw I don't know. We'll see how things play out with Jared Valdir, though that shouldn't keep you from drafting a guy like that. Cody Ford on as an interior offensive lineman would be a nice pick. I just feel those guys are too rich in the top 10. So that's how the that would shake out. But that doesn't end there with the Broncos options because if things fall this way, we want to talk about potential trade scenarios and what the targets would be and cost to move up that way. And we have a question so from Shaggy McLovin, McLoveny with three eyes at the end, asking, hypothetical question, 
But if if both Haskins and Murray declare for the draft, who would you trade up to get? How much are you willing to trade up to move in a draft to get him? And finally, what team is most likely to trade up or where do you trade up to make sure you get your guy? So trading up, um, Murray at worst, you trade up a couple spots. Um, all you have to do is be ahead of the Jaguars. The problem is Giants and Jaguars draft them back-to-back picks. So you kind of would have to jump over the Giants to get Murray too. That gets tricky. As much as I love and am just so intrigued by Murray, I think it would be risky to make a, a blockbuster draft day trade for him, especially when you already have the 10th overall pick. Haskins is the guy I would go all in on for a trade. In fact, I think that'd be my number one option, assuming he declares Arizona at one, probably too costly to move up at one overall. Uh, The Niners at two, I think, is already where you start to consider it, though probably a little too rich. Same with the Jets at three, and the Oakland Raiders at four, being that they're rivals and in the division and already have a ton of picks. I don't think you can really swing a trade with the the Raiders. So probably in the top four, you're not looking to trade up if you're trying to get the best value. Now, of course, you gotta you got to keep a watchful eye on other potential teams trying to move up and get ahead of you and the Giants as well. Where you really start to target it is at number five for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They took Jonah Williams, decent value, not great value. Um, they could use an edge rusher, but don't necessarily have to spend a premium uh you know they've had they kind of have some guys that can fill that hole for now and it's a deep class they can find guys later on in the draft at 10th overall the bucks could still find a solid offensive lineman to upgrade their line or maybe they use some of that draft capital to jump over the bills and get jonah williams still that way while still adding capital i think given you know, trading up for a quarterback, even though it's just five spots, you're looking at two firsts, uh, the 10th overall pick and your 2019 first, and anywhere from two to three day two picks. That's kind of been the cost for, you know, what the the Eagles paid to trade up for uh, Carson Wentz, or to a lesser extent, what the Texans paid to trade up and get Deshaun Watson or the Chiefs traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. Two first is automatically what you're going to have to pay, and then you can kind of bargain on, do we give up two second rounders? Do we give up a second and two thirds? Do we give up a second and a third? What years are those day two picks in? And so on and so forth. But I think that's the price. I think it's a fairly acceptable price. you got to remember... As hard, hard as it is to bite the bullet and pay such a price for someone like Haskins, who's only had one year as a starter in college, comes from a system that doesn't translate necessarily, and all that kind of stuff, still, you could have a really, really talented pocket passer with a phenomenal arm, great accuracy, great deep ball accuracy, and all the potential in the world 
and you know the ability to throw it on the run some uh, prototypical size checking off all those boxes for you under five years of control on a rookie contract look at what that's done for other teams who have rookies rookie qbs under contract and look the broncos have a lot of needs it's going to be tough um you're plain and simple you're not going to be able to fill all those needs in the draft but that's just fine because they have plenty of money in free agency Elway typically has done a good job of identifying talent and getting good quality free agents with lots of cap room and a solid head coaching hire. I think they'll be able to make some noise in free agency and clog some of those holes on the O-line at cornerback, inside linebacker potential, and maybe add a little more talent on the inside defensive line and uh, find a veteran wide receiver. You do all those things. It doesn't feel as hard to pay that kind of a price to draft, to move up for Haskins. Look, for me, Haskins isn't a surefire prospect. Since I've been doing this, no quarterback really has been. Um, You know, I really started digging into film and doing my own rankings the year after that luck draft. Um, Luck was a sure thing. I wasn't the highest on RG3. Outside of luck, no one's ever been a sure thing, but that doesn't matter. You got to take a swing, and even if Haskins is just the next Mitchell Trubisky, that might be just fine. Look at how well the Bears have done with Trubisky, and frankly, I think Haskins is already light years ahead of where Mitchell was. And remember, Trubisky, just like Haskins, only had a year as a starter under his belt in college, so Thank you for that question, Shaggy McLovin. Uh, We got to kind of talk more about that, which is exactly what I wanted to hit. With that, we are going to take our second and final break and then come back, talk about some potential coaching hires and what draftable QBs would be on uh, their radar and then a quick national championship preview for the two best programs in the country, and best of all, the two most talent-loaded, as far as the draft goes, programs in the country. So stay tuned after a quick commercial break. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, Uh, The Buffalo Chicken Wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. And we're back. As promised, we have some coaching talk because it seems pretty relevant given all the news that's been going on into town. I just wrote our hot board, kind of analyzing the strengths and weaknesses of each candidate that's been thrown out there as Elway seems 
trying like he's trying to move quickly get his next head coach right away and start rebuilding this team and making some key roster decisions to get the Broncos back to contention sooner rather than later. This is a question we've had the last couple weeks from our guy, J.D. Fry. Um, and I love the question. We kind of turned it into a whole segment in a few podcasts ago. And now that we actually have candidates and we're not just speculating and throwing coaching names out there, I think... This is a nice marriage between the draft pod and our regular uh, just news cycle and talking about the coaches and what's relevant right now. So if Mike McCarthy was hired, the Green Bay Packers, former head coach, longtime season veteran, Haskins would be an ideal fit. His accuracy and ability to work, um, you know, passes underneath would be extraordinary. Let's remember... McCarthy was there when Aaron Rodgers got drafted and helped kind of uh, groom him and develop him. And I think Drew Locke, while not the sort of elite arm talent that Rodgers has, which is no no knock on Locke, uh, that's just, you know, Aaron Rodgers might be the most uh, talented quarterback I have ever seen, just period, the most talented thrower, certainly. Uh, but McCarthy would be a really intriguing hire when combined with a raw talent like Locke with his type of arm talent and some of the areas in which he could be groomed. So that would be uh, a nice fit. That would be a really nice combo. Vic Fangio, the great um, defensive coordinator out of the Chicago Bears, who to me might be the top candidate here despite not having prior head coaching experience. And part of him being the top candidate is I think there would be no better defensive and offensive um, you know, coordinator slash play caller combination that you could have out of this, you know, coming out of this higher than Fanjo coaching the defense and Kubiak coaching the offense. And look, Murray would be an ideal fit with his ability to get out and throw it on the run and execute bootlegs and stuff like that. Just get out on the perimeter and let it rip. Uh, Kubiak could get a little creative, install some quarterback runs, stuff like that. The running game is already perfectly set for Kubes. Um, I also threw out in our hot board, which you can check out at bsndenver.com, should be going up here soon. I mentioned that Greg Roman, the former offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers uh, when Jim Harbaugh was the coach and Fangio, of course, was the defensive coordinator, would also be an interesting fit. Uh, of course, uh, Roman helped really develop uh, Colin Kaepernick and, uh, you know, revive uh, Alex Smith's career with Harbaugh's help. I think that, again, Murray would fit perfectly with either of those guys. So to me, Fangio's a Murray guy, McCarthy, Haskins, or Locke. Zach Taylor, the quarterback coach for the Los Angeles Rams, and who's also had experience as the offensive coordinator in both Cincinnati and the Miami Dolphins under Joe Philbin, who interestingly enough is a McCarthy disciple. Uh, he would be perfect for Haskins. Uh, to a lesser extent, Locke 
But really, you know, I've always I've said it for a couple months now. Haskins reminds me of Jared Goff when he was coming out of Cal. Of course, Goff, uh, you know, had much more playing time at Cal. He was the starter for three full seasons, but had a lot more ups and downs. Haskins, on the other hand, has been more consistent, shown a very interesting, um, you know, progression as the season's gone on. His accuracy and pocket presence and ability to sling it deep with accuracy would be perfect in Taylor's offense. Uh, Chuck Pagano, former Indianapolis Colts head coach. It really depends on the offensive coordinator. Of course, Pagano used to work with Bruce Arians back in his first year as the Colts head coach. Arians has an offense that's really focused on vertical throws. So Haskins or Drew Locke would be ideal fits there. Pagano, veteran defensive coach, would pair nicely with Gary Kubiak. And as mentioned above, with uh, Fajano, uh, Fanjo, sorry, he would um, then, if that's the combination, I would start looking at Murray. And another name I've thrown out there is Rob Chazinski. He coached with uh, Pagano in his final years at Indy. Both of them kind of had the poor luck of Andrew Luck being injured in the final year, which is kind of what led to the downfall of that, you know, entire cycle. But I do think Chazinski's a valuable offensive mind. And even if Cubes or Arians, who should be the top picks for offensive coordinator, if Pagano were to be selected as the head coach, uh, he still would be a, a great selection at offensive coordinator. What I like about Chazinski is he was the guy who was there with the Carolina Panthers when Cam Newton came in as a rookie, super raw, coming from that guest Malzahn Auburn offense, and was able to have him break, you know, all sorts of rookie records for a quarterback. That's the kind of thing that would fit really nicely in Denver. That would make him a really appealing play caller, an offensive addition to the staff. And look, no one would fit better than Kyler Murray with him. He's done it already with Cam Newton. He can definitely do it again with the 2018 Heisman. Brian Flores and Mike Munchak are the other guys. Uh, Flores, of course, the defensive coordinator for the Patriots. So much would depend on who either of those guys would select as their offensive coordinators. Uh, we don't have, with them mostly being position uh, head coaches, uh, Munchek on the O-line, Flores on defensive backs, we don't have as much of a track record to go off of and identify uh, past assistants and coordinators that they've worked with, so it's a lot harder to say. I don't care to speculate. So much will depend on the offensive coordinator. Of course, both it's entirely possible, could be paired with Gary Kubiak if they were to be hired as the head coach. And in that case, uh, as I said already, Murray would be a phenomenal fit. And then Harbaugh, you know, the interesting thing with John Harbaugh and reports have come out that the Broncos aren't willing to trade a top 10 pick for him. Thank goodness, because that would be awful. I'm all for John Harbaugh but not at that price, not at a top 100 pick price, frankly. I don't think Harbaugh is that much of an upgrade on guys like 
Fangio, Pagano, McCarthy, and so on and so forth. Um, so that would be too rich, but his logical pairing would be with Kubiak, and we've already talked about that. So there you go. There's some head coaching uh, prospects uh, pairings for you, and I wanted to get that out there because while the draft is is my main gig, I love the coaching carousel and talking about schemes and stuff. In fact, that will be our film room this week. I'm going to analyze uh, some of the factors when studying film of all these candidates that stood out to me the most and made them most unique, which will be really easy for some and not so easy for others. So stay tuned for that. All right. Well, after the national semifinals turned out to be kind of boring blowouts, and again, we will analyze those in a big blowout recap of the Bulls in next week's podcast. I do want to preview the national championship and get you all set. The major, major matchup here is going to be Jonah Williams going against Cleveland Farrell and Austin Bryant, especially against Farrell, uh, the dynamic edge rusher who I had going third overall in our mock draft in the first segment, is going to give Jonah all that he can handle. And Williams has had an up-and-down season. Um, really, he's had a fine season and then struggled against a less talented uh, edge rusher than Farrell, at least, in DeAndre Walker, who will be a pro prospect, even has some first-round buzz, though that seems too rich. Farrell's a whole other class of athlete length and power for Williams to, to do. Williams plays really well. All of a sudden, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might not be able to get him at fifth overall. If he struggles and I expect Farrell will give him everything he can handle. Well, then, in that case, I really think that his stock could drop, and he might not even be considered to be a left tackle anymore, which would be an interesting development for this offensive tackle class right here because you would have some left tackle prospects, but they would have some... They'd be raw, toolsy guys like your Andre Dillard's, uh, Trey Adams out of the two Washington schools, uh, Yadni Kajust, who I've talked about plenty throughout the year out of West Virginia, Greg Little, incredibly raw but talented out of Mississippi, and so on and so forth. And Williams has played right tackle before. He'd be a natural fit at guard. I mean, I think he'd be an all-pro guard type prospect. Uh, but this will be huge for him, really, really big. Um then you have Trayvon Mullen, the top cornerback in this game, as far as draft-eligible guys go. He's number one on Clemson. Uh, he's their top cornerback. I thought he struggled a little against Notre Dame, had a P.I., uh, was kind of gave up another big reception. Some really like him because of his length and skills, and, you know, he hasn't been tested much this year, which... I mean, to his credit, he hasn't been tested much, but I think it's also covered him up some and allowed him to be just a little overrated at this point. So he's an interesting prospect, how he does against Judy, uh, the sophomore wide receiver out of Alabama, who's just a phenom. Uh, you know, he had another big game in the national semifinal. That'll be the ultimate test for him. And Tua Tagovailoa, to his credit, and sometimes 
Um, maybe it's his Alabama's quarterback's biggest weakness is not afraid of threading the needle in tight windows or testing high-end cornerbacks. I fully expect that matchup to tell us a lot about the Clemson cornerback stock. Um, and in general, in the trenches, you're going to watch Pharrell, you're going to watch Christian Wilkins, who's a really interesting prospect for the Broncos as an interior defensive lineman. Uh, the Alabama defensive line, aside from Quinn and Williams, who hopefully doesn't go to the radar Raiders because that would be a real issue. Uh, but regardless, you have tons of talent on both those interior defensive lines, even if Def Dexter Lawrence, the nose tackle for Clemson, isn't playing in this game. Uh, Mac Wilson, the linebacker out of Alabama, is a guy we mentioned who could be considered at 10th overall. I'm not as high as him on some. I just think he needs to be groomed in some key areas, but the natural talent is all there. Uh, Kendall Joseph, who's an undersized linebacker for Clemson, might be a great value pick in, say, like round three. He's an undersized linebacker but flies around. Trey Lamar is another inside linebacker in this game for Clemson. Great size. He'd be a phenomenal fit. Deontay Thompson, we didn't really talk about the Alabama safety in the mock for the Broncos. He certainly should be considered, though. Uh, that goes without saying. I think that, you know, Will Parks, and you can find my film film room breaking down Parks from a couple of weeks ago on the website, uh, especially for our subscribers, has had a great, um, you know, really a nice season at the end of it and has shown that he's developed as more than just a dime linebacker in the box safety. He's shown some ability to play as a single high safety. His range is an elite covering sideline to sideline, but he's got that skill. If you wanted to go more dime heavy, though, and the other thing that's happened this season is Simmons remains very talented, especially covering in the slot where, you know, there are few safeties in the NFL who can do it as good as he can and match up with wide receivers uh, lined or tight ends lined up in the slot. But as a single high safety, as a center fielder, his instincts have been lacking that season. And I think he's a little too far on in his career to wait for him to develop. I think he's ideal as a strong safety in the box who can also cover in the slot and kind of be a nice movable piece. But, you know, he, he's wasted as a typical free safety in a cover three alignment or where he's just, you know, playing as a high safety most of the time. So depending on how you feel about Parks' ability to be that free safety and restore Justin Simmons as the strong safety, I think Deontay Thompson could be in consideration, and he's going to be a big guy to watch because, you know, uh, even though almost all of them aren't draft eligible, this Clemson offense has a ton of talent. And between the 2020 draft and 2021 draft, their wide receivers, running back, and quarterback will be very high picks. Uh, Mitch Hyatt on the other side of the offensive line, the left tackle for Clemson. I thought he wasn't great against Notre Dame, but he's had a good season, was an All-American this year. How he does against Alabama could propel his stock all the way into the first round or could really hurt his stock and plummet him uh, down to day two or even worse. So those are big names to watch for Broncos fans. 
and the debate will the debate will rage on of is it the right call to pull the trigger on a quarterback now or should you wait i'm of the idea that you you know if you feel good about the quarterback and i do feel good about haskins and murray you got to pull the trigger you can't be projecting because look we're going to overanalyze and look at the guys who are projected to be top picks in 2020 a bunch, and that shine is going to come off them. But regardless, this is a matchup with the two best pro prospects in all of college football with Lawrence for Clemson and Tua for Alabama. They will be fun to watch, and especially how their performances kind of fill that debate of take a guy now or wait in for a couple years from now, which eh, seems like a risky strategy at best to me. That's going to do it for us. I'm Andre Simone. You are listening to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We will be back next week. Zach and Ryan will get you covered the rest of the week. I could not thank you enough for listening in and giving us such a wonderful season. The offseason's begun, guys. So now more than ever is the time to tune in, fire up some of the old draft podcasts you might have missed, and get all caught up because we've been covering it year-round and having a blast. With that, I salute you. But before, I want to tell you about Total Beverage. And what if I told you that you could order your liquor on a mobile app have it delivered to you the same day, and save money doing it. Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Total Beverage delivers the most to most of the metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy, and you know how we love the local guy. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off $50 purchases on their website and app, Use code BSN10 to save $10 off of $50 orders for all your holiday parties. Have it delivered to your door. Thank you so much, folks. We will catch you next week.